so much fun this morning. That is a beautiful, beautiful picture of what we're all about here at Crossroads. Many times we talk about the family that the church is supposed to be, and right there you got a beautiful picture of that as their whole community group surrounded that tub and uh, as Inez and Ruben were baptized. Man, two awesome people. And let me tell you, Pastor Rick was spot on with Spanish. Like, right? Like he nailed that, didn't he, Brad? So anyways, when it comes to crossroads and baptism, man, what makes us a church rather than just a social club is our personal identification with the greatest act in human history, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when it comes to crossroads and what we believe about baptism, we don't believe that baptism saves you. Our faith, our salvation comes in faith alone, in Christ alone. That's where we believe that. But When it comes to baptism, baptism is our personal testimony of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so if you are a believer here today, if you're new, maybe you've just accepted Christ, or maybe you've been a believer for a long time, if you never have entered into the waters of baptism, I would encourage you to do that. And you can explore what that looks like by simply texting the number uh, on the screen with the word next. And we have people ready to talk to you and through uh, what it looks like to be baptized here at Crossroads Church, all right? So you can do that. Well, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Matt Manning, and I am the senior pastor here at Crossroads Church, and I want to welcome uh, you today. Uh, What we just witnessed there in baptism is a beautiful picture of actually where we're going today and what we're talking about when it comes to uh, who we are as a church and really the mission that we have as a church. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 2. It's where we're going to be in a few moments. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll dive in. All right, let's do that. Father... Lord, we come into your presence, Lord, knowing that you are here with us. And Lord, as we get to this morning celebrate Reuben and Inez and their personal testimony of the way that you've moved in their lives, Lord, that they have made you Savior, that they're following you, that they're in community, God, our hearts just explode for joy, Lord, to see them make that statement of faith. And uh, Lord, it's such a beautiful just reality. God, that you've called us to be a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church. And, and Lord, today we get to experience what that looks like. And so, God, we give you thanks for that. And Lord, we ask, Lord, for your discernment. Lord, for our hearts and for our minds, for what you have for us today, Lord, that you would help us focus in on what you're calling us to be, who you're calling us to be, and the way that we're to be as a church. And so, God, help us listen well. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you have been uh, paying attention to what's going on in the North Metro area, but we are in the midst of explosive growth happening all over our communities. Uh, You probably feel it on the roadways, or if you've tried to buy a house in the last couple of years, you kind of understand the reality of of the tremendous amount of growth. And it's not just a feeling that we have, actually, it's actually happening. Like this latest census data coming from 2020, just last year, said that Colorado is now the sixth fastest growing state in the entire United States. That before the pandemic, we were number two, now we're number six, but that's still pretty amazing growth. That Denver over the last 10 years has become the 19th largest city in the United States and currently is the fifth fastest growing city in the United States. That means that there is only four cities growing faster than Denver. When you look at the North Metro Denver area and kind of expanded out of fastest growing towns in the United States, that list includes Fort Collins, Greeley, Westminster, Thornton, Arvada, Longmont, and Loveland. With many publications over the last couple of years naming cities, some of them multiple times, uh, in this North Metro Denver area as the great places to live in the United States, this growth is not going to slow down. In fact, if you're into demographics and demographics research, 
All the models are showing that over the next 30 years or so, from now until 2050, that this North Metro Denver area, think about right where we are now, all the way up to Fort Collin and Greeley, is going to continue to explode in growth more than doubling. Right now, there's 600,000 of us living in this area. By 2050, there's going to be about 1.3 million people living in this area. And if you are a native of Colorado and you feel that anxiety rising up in you, that the secret is out, guess what? It is, this is a pretty great place to live. And so in the midst of all of that, all of this growth, God has positioned us in a community that is experiencing explosive growth. And the question that we have to ask is what would God have us do? What would God have us do in this? That's been my diligent prayer for the last year or so. That as this pandemic moved along and stretched out longer and longer, and we all realized that this wasn't just some temporary like disruption in our lives, but this would forever change society and the way that we operate in society, that I've been praying, God, what would it look like? Jesus, what would you have us do in the communities in which you have placed us? Now, when answering that question, it's helpful for me to think in terms of like values, purposes, and mission. Every organization has that. In fact, probably every individual has values, purpose, and a mission. But, but just at an organizational level, every organization has these three things. Like if you think of any organization like the military or specifically the army, they have their seven core values. They have values like loyalty, duty, respect, service, honor, integrity, courage. Those are the values of the army. When it comes to purpose, everybody has purpose in the military, right? From infantrymen to officers, there's the purpose, and they have a mission, take the next hill. Well, when we think about churches, churches operate similarly. Churches have values, they have purposes, and they have mission. Here at Crossroads Church, when it comes to our values, we've named four of them, and our values go like this, that when it comes to Jesus, that we're all about Jesus. The second value that we have is that we treat the Bible like we believe it. Our third value is that we're serious about serving. Our fourth value is that we love being generous. This is the DNA of who we are. And for some of you, if you've been around Crossroads a number of years, you've probably heard that taught and preached and looked at multiple times throughout the years. And in fact, if you're a Christian, you might even go, Matt, those values, they seem like a little vanilla. Like, like shouldn't every church be like that? And maybe so. But I would just say, if you like hung out with me for a week, you would realize how those values make us distinct, not only in our culture, but oftentimes even compared to other churches. Now, when it comes to purposes, every church has purposes, and we find them throughout the entire New Testament, but specifically, we find most of the purposes, or at least the concentrated purposes, the way that we understand them, in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Luke is writing Acts, and he writes a story uh, of the early disciples and how they're moving, and in that story, he reveals really the five purposes of the church. The first purpose of the church is to worship and to glorify Jesus. That's the first purpose of the church. But also when it comes to the, the purposes of the church, fellowshipping with one another, that's a, that's a purpose. Serving the body, that's a purpose. Coming together and growing spiritually. And finally, leading people who are far away from Jesus into relationship with Jesus. That those are the five purposes of the church. And so if we take those purposes and those values of this church, 
And we ask the question, what are we trying to do through those things? I mean, we're not just like doing them as an end to themselves. That's not what God has called us to. God has not called us into a kingdom for that reason. So what is the reason that we're, that we're moving through the values and the purposes that God has given us? Another way to think of it is like this, that if you're a follower of Jesus, when it comes to the purposes of the church, you will have all of eternity to worship and glorify Jesus. You'll have all of eternity to fellowship with other people. Like, like what we get to do right now, we get to do for all of eternity. We get to fellowship with each other all of eternity. That we get to serve one another for all of eternity. That we get to grow spiritually. It's one of the great gifts that God gives us. We get to continue to grow all of eternity. But there's one thing that we can only do on earth, one purpose that we only get to do on earth that we do not get to do in eternity. The answer to that question is the mission. There is only one thing that you get to do now here on earth that you won't get to do throughout eternity. It's the mission that God has given his church, which is to reach and find people who are far away from Jesus and bring them into saving relationship with him. The way that we say it around Crossroads is like this, to serve people toward and connect people to Jesus. That's our mission. That mission is what we can only do in this lifetime, that we can only pursue that mission in this lifetime. So the question that we have to answer is where did we get this mission? Like, did we just make this mission up? Did we just like pull it out of, you know, out of the air? Or did we actually get it from somewhere? Well, the answer is that we get the mission from Jesus himself. That as we open and read the scriptures, what we find is that God is on a relentless pursuit to find lost people and to save them. We see this most specifically in the life of Jesus that this mission Jesus was on fire for. In fact, the mission he was obsessed over, that he got to, any time that he had a chance to talk about it, he would, it consumed him. And just for a moment, we could pick many different moments in Jesus's life, but today I just wanna focus on one moment in the life of Jesus where this is so apparent. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter two, starting in verse 13 is where we're gonna pick up the story. It starts like this. He, that being Jesus, went out again beside the sea. And all the crowds was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, this, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now listen, when we read this some 2,000 years later, we don't have any clue. We don't have any realization how scandalous this moment was. Like, I just want you to think about this for a moment, that Jesus is sitting with people that were considered pretty disgraceful when it came to their reputations. That we talked about this a few weeks ago in a sermon, but when it came to this term tax collector, this was not like, like a, like a well-thought-of term that was used on people. Tax collectors were a special group of Jewish citizens. And when I say special, not like special, like, oh, look how great they are, like special when it comes to a Jewish person, like this is the last person that you would want to hang out with, was a tax collector. 
that tax collectors worked for Rome. They worked for the very oppressors of the nation. And not only did they work for Rome, but they oppressed and swindled and exhorted the people of Israel in order to make the empire of Rome greater. That for every Jewish person, you didn't get any worse than a tax collector. And here Jesus is sitting back eating with them. But he's not only eating with these tax collectors, he's eating with what, what is described in that culture as sinners. And the way that you can think of sinners are, sinners are those ones with foul mouths. They're the, they're the ones who, who sleep in all the wrong places. They're the people who cheated. They are the people that would never darken the doors where God is worshiped. That sinners stood opposite of everything that religious people and good Jewish people stood for. And here's Jesus with these sinners and tax collectors all gathered around, they're hanging on every word that he's speaking and he's eating and drinking with them. And maybe you're sitting back wondering, well, what's so scandalous about this moment? What's the big deal that he's eating with these tax collectors and these sinners? Well, the big deal is in their culture in this time, to eat with someone was a cultural way of saying that I accept them. It was like saying, this person is my friend. I care deeply about them that this person has value and worth to me. And for the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, it was these reasons why they were so careful in who they ate with. And so here's Jesus basically saying, these tax collectors, these sinners, these people of ill repute, of bad reputations, that these guys are my friends. And the Pharisees, they're sitting back and they're watching all of this happen. And as they're sitting back, they're, they're grumbling and they're moaning about what Jesus is doing. And they're saying, Jesus, <laughs> you don't even get what you're doing here. Like Jesus, we, we have this all set up. Like we have the divisions in place. Like there's the, the religious and the non-religious. There's the righteous and the non-righteous. There's the holy and the sinners. There's those who are well and those who are sick. And we don't intermingle. We divide. We are separated on purpose. And Jesus, it's like you're, you're eating with them and you're acting like, like you like them. Like you're messing all of this up. You don't even know, Jesus, what you're doing. And as the Pharisees stand back, the scriptures tell us that they remark Look at this man, he eats with sinners and tax collectors, that this was meant to be hurtful. This was meant to be insulting toward Jesus. That we read this some 2,000 years later, and it doesn't even register of how scandalous this moment is. That here are these people, sinners and tax collectors, captivated by Jesus and the very God he speaks about. Verse 17, and when Jesus heard it, well, heard what? When Jesus heard the Pharisees' hearts, when he heard their grumbling and, and moaning, when he heard that they didn't understand the Father's hearts, he begins to speak up. Now, this is Mark's account. In Luke's account, one of the other gospels of Jesus' life, in this moment, Luke inserts three stories that Jesus tells about finding lost things. And in those three stories, all three stories, what was lost was meaningful. In all three stories, what was lost was important to be found, was the most important thing that could be found. That there was nothing that mattered more than finding what was lost. 
In Mark's account, he cuts the stories and he goes right to the point. And here's what Mark says. And when Jesus heard it, they're grumbling, they're moaning, they're misunderstanding of the Father's heart. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Listen, if you're a Jesus follower, the God you worship, the God that you love, the God that you've placed all of your hope in, that God is on an ongoing and permanent search for people who are far away from him. And Jesus wants to be abundantly clear that sinners, tax collectors, people with bad reputations, that they matter to him. And they should matter to us as well. And the reality is, is that throughout Jesus's life, he never lets up on this. That we have other moments, like in Luke chapter 19, where almost every theologian agrees that this is the mission statement of Jesus's life, when he stands up and he says, I came to seek and save that which was lost, lost. Later on in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is speaking to the church, those disciples who are going to carry on his life. And he looks at them and he says, you go and you make disciples of every nation, baptizing them, teaching them my ways. Be on mission. Jesus is on the cross and in his dying breath, he's concerned for the sinner next to him. The sinner who did something so terrible in society that they deemed that he should be worthy of death and not just any death, but death on a cross. And in that moment, as Jesus is taking his final breaths, he's trying to win that man to him. See, the driving force of Jesus's life is to seek and save that which was lost and then to die for them. After his death and his resurrection, which cemented for all time that he is who he says he is, the son of God, he looks at the church, he looks at us, and he says, now you go and you live the same mission. Go into the world, change the world. And come on, the reason that Jesus' focus was so, so, so laser-like when it came to the mission is because he more than any of us realized and knew that heaven and hell were real places and that you and I would end up in one or the other. This is the mission of the church, every church, to take people who are far away from Jesus and to bring them into saving relationship with him. And sadly, hear me on this, Sadly, most churches are not engaged in that mission. Even here at Crossroads, from time to time, we've been guilty of this. That we hear this mission, we see the mission that Jesus is on, and as church people, we cheer, woo, yeah, we gotta do that right, it motivates us, and that most churches are not engaged in the mission. And if you're a church person here, it's gonna get really uncomfortable for a few moments for you. Just hold on to your chairs tight. That most churches are way too focused on those inside the walls rather than those on the outside. They focus on, on making the already convinced the mission. They specialize in the already found. And their outreach is to go out into the world, find church people, to bring them into church, to serve more church people. That in many churches, 
The mission is nothing more than a maintenance program for the saved, endless caring, endless feeding that leads to spiritual obesity. This is not the mission. The mission is not to woo Christian people. The mission is for the church, for those who love Jesus, to go into the world and find the unconvinced and to do everything that they can in order that those unconvinced become convinced, in order that those who are far away from Jesus come into saving relationship with Jesus, come into a relationship with the God who loves them so much. There's a man here at Crossroads Church that I've known for 30 plus years. His name is Terry Kettleson. He's in his 80s. We've been friends, and over the last couple of years, he's become a true mentor of mine. And as we've been talking about some of these things, he looked at me and he said, Matt, if there's anything that I have to offer Jesus at this point in my life, it's to do whatever I can to see people come to know Jesus. Then a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we went to a funeral of a dear friend. Christy is her name. She was 42 years old. She died of breast cancer after eight years of fighting. Right before her death, about a week before she passed, her hospice nurse came to her and she said, Christy, it's time to call your family. You're not gonna make it to the end of the week. Upon hearing that news, Christy's first words were, God, no. Jesus, there's too many people who do not yet know you for me to go yet. A quick word to those of you who are not Jesus followers. Maybe you ended up here today because you found us on YouTube or, or stumbled online. Maybe a friend invited you into the space today and you've been sitting here and you go, what in the world did I walk into? Like, where do I fit in all of this? That's a really great question. You fit here because you are one of the people that we care deeply about. And today you get an inside glimpse to see how much you matter to us and more importantly, how much you matter to Jesus. If you have questions about Jesus, questions about what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, I would just encourage you to text the word Jesus to the number on the screen. See, the question that we church people have to wrestle with is this, is what are we willing to do to reach you? What are we willing to do to reach our family? What are we willing to do to reach our coworkers? What are we willing to do to reach our kids and our grandkids? The answer has to be whatever it takes. It was for Jesus. See, the gospel is timeless. The mission is timeless. The method, however, is not. The method we slice and we dice, we ruthlessly pray over it and evaluate it, constantly asking the question, is the method that we're using effective in reaching people who are far away from Jesus and bringing them into a relationship with him? There can be no sacred cows. It's this kind of healthy thinking that through the years has helped us make missional decisions here at Crossroads Church. That one of the very first missional decisions that this church ever made all the way back in 1960 was what to name itself. The reason that we're called Crossroads, in case you don't know, is because of a little verse in Jeremiah chapter 6, where basically God's people are standing at a crossroads. And God says to his people, you follow me. You look for the path that is good and you go in that movement. You be on mission. That was the first missional decision that we ever made. Be on mission. Stand at the crossroads and look for where God is going and follow him there. Other decisions through our years, almost for 40 years, there was a choir in this church called Upward Bounds. 
And it was made up of high school and college-age students that run around the country singing. And people loved it. I mean, when I was in it in the 90s, there would be places that we would sing in that was as big as the place that we're here at Thornton. And it would be packed full of people. I mean, it was big, it was fun, it was expensive. I mean, it was a lot of good fun. By the time the 2000s rolled around, culture had shifted pretty dramatically. And oftentimes there was more people in the choir than there was out in the audience listening. And the question had to be asked, is Upward Bound still effective in leading people to Jesus? And the honest answer was no. It was no longer effective. And so the difficult decision after decades of ministry was to shut it down. It was hard. But we realized that we weren't in the choir business. We were in the business of leading people who are far away from Jesus into relationship with Jesus. Then over the years here at Crossroads Church, every year, several times a year, we're asked if we're ever going to start a Christian school. In fact, since I've been the senior pastor here over the last year and a half or so, it's probably been asked of me a half a dozen times, like, are we going to start a Christian school? And the answer is always no. And the reason that we say no is because Christian schools have Christian kids in them. And there's nothing wrong with Christian schools. Christian schools are great. We need Christian schools that both my undergrad and my master's are from a Christian school. But we're not in the Christian school business. We're called to be in the business of leading people who are far from Jesus into relationship with Jesus. At one point here at Crossroads, we, we had a ministry called Jesus Pizza where we fed kids in high school over mainly at North Glen High. And during Jesus Pizza on Wednesdays, we would literally have like half the North Glen students come to our North Glen campus in order to eat pizza. And at the beginning, it was effective and students were coming, in, and coming to know Jesus. But as the years went on, the question had to be asked, is this still effective? Is Jesus Pizza leading people to Jesus? And the answer was no. We had become really effective and efficient at making a lot of pizza, but God was not calling us to out pizza the hut. We were, but that's not what God was calling us to be. God was calling us to reach people who were far away from Jesus and bring them into relationship with Jesus. That throughout the years, we've made decision after decision after decision that at times have changed ministries, at, at times have put ministries down. Some really good ideas never got off the grounds because they didn't align with the mission. So by this point, probably many of you know that we're currently in another mission-defining moment in terms of our approach moving forward as a church. And all of my thoughts and prayers and evaluations joined with the thoughts, prayers, and evaluations of both our church council and our trustees, we've come to realize two things. The first is this, is if we are serious about reaching people, specifically at Fort Lupton, then that congregation needs to have the freedom to engage the community in the way it sees fit and in a way that it can't do under the umbrella of Crossroads Church. The size dynamics are real. Thornton and North Glen, they operate as large suburban churches. That's who we are. Fort Lupton operates as a small rural church. Neither are bad, they're just different. 
In 2010, we merged with then the First Baptist of Fort Lupton. It became our third campus, and over the last 10 years or so, that campus has grown and seen success. And we believe that in order for it to continue to grow, continue to succeed, continue to reach its community, then it needs the freedom to do so. And so on January 1st, 2024, we are going to send them off as their own church. This is not because we see Fort Lupton as a failure, the exact opposite. It's because of its success. And we really truly believe that in order for it to continue to be successful and to continue to succeed, that the best way forward is to do that by launching them as their own church. We have a plan in place over the next two and a half years that will follow to make sure to ensure that they launch successfully for the present and into the future. The second thing that we came to realize is that when the pandemic hit, like everyone, we closed down. We closed everything down, our churches down for a couple of months. And when we started to open, we made the strategic decision to open Fort Lupton campus because of its distance. It's 30 minutes away from here. And then when it came to Thor Thornton and Fort, uh, North Glen, we decided that we would just open the Thornton building. That we did this because we could socially distance people here. We have large hallways, the ability to move chairs, larger classrooms, we could keep people safe and we'd have room to grow as the society started to open. On top of that, North Glen and Thornton, the two buildings are only three miles apart. It made logical sense. But what we discovered to our surprise is that North Glen and Thornton are better together. I mean, just listen to a couple of these things. Over the last few months, we have seen more people, we've seen more people visit us in-house than any three-month period that we've ever recorded. That online, we have pretty audacious goals of reaching people in the digital space. We knocked all of those goals out in our first quarter. That those who are coming are connecting to Crossroads Church. Listen, when it comes to the church world, if you're a first-time guest, connecting about 10% of first-time guests is like great out of this world in the church. Right now at Crossroads Church, we're connecting 45% of new people to this church. <laughs> our community groups, our community groups are at their highest level of participation in over a decade. Our outreach is as vibrant as it has been as we reach into St. Anthony North and the, and the surrounding communities, that we have accomplished more together in these last six months in light of the mission that Jesus has given us than we have in the last decade apart. Let me say that one more time, that together we have become laser focused on living out this mission and we have seen it in tangible ways in our life, that we are on mission finding lost people and bringing them into relationship with Jesus. That ultimately, <laughs> that ultimately what we finally come to accept is that when Thornton was built some 15, 16 years ago, something unintentionally happens. And that unintentional thing that happened is this, is that when this building was built, the vibrancy in the youth moved north, and most of the wisdom and the experience stayed south at North Glen. We created a divided church. It was not our intention, but we created a, a divided church. And in this post-pandemic world, we have realized the value of being together on mission. In large part, this is happening 
Because for the first time in a long time, the wisdom and the vibrancy, the youth and the experience are in one place together. And we're accomplishing the mission that God has given to us. And yet at the same time, listen as I say this, that if we're going to continue to be successful in this mission that God has given to us, that we have to do it in such a way that we stay together. Which listen, if you're a senior, if you're in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, hear me, we need you and we want you. That almost every person my age is starting to lose their grandparents. And for my generation, our grandparents were foundational in so many ways. In some parts, they had like minor or, or ways of, of raising us. For some of us, they completely raised us. That almost every man that I know who's my age has a, has a broken relationship with their father. And they're just yearning, just yearning for that fatherly voice in their life. That we need you and we want you. And listen, if you're part of the younger generation, this isn't all on the seniors. If you're my age or younger, if you're brand new here, listen up, you got a role to play yourself. You got to make yourself available. You got to make the introduction. You got to risk the relationship. The only way that we can continue on the mission that God has given is if we go at this together. So in light of all of this, starting this summer, we're going to go all in on this better together. By moving our worship services for North Glen and Thornton to Thornton only and repurposing the North Glen building into an outreach community center of supported agencies. That we'll use the sanctuary of that building for sacred space like funerals and weddings, baptism services. We may even launch churches out of that sanctuary. But the rest of the building, we're gonna repurpose. And we're dreaming of, of what that can look like, that we wanna bring in partners from homeless services to food banks to, uh, uh, to uh, youth mentoring, all the way to crisis pregnancy services in order to reach the surrounding neighborhoods with the hope of Jesus. That ultimately, this decision is to move away from an approach that seeks to expand our geographical footprint and instead doubles down on an approach that expands our digital footprint because if we want to reach people who are far away from Jesus, we have to go where they're at and almost everybody is online in the digital space. In this change of approach, it's easy for us to step back and to think that it was all meaningless or that the work at North Glen or Fort Lupton was not good enough. That is furthest from the truth. The ministry that happened there over the collective hundred years of our history was good and it was meaningful. It's just time that we move forward with a different approach, with laser-like focus on the mission that Jesus gave us to reach people who are far away from him and bring them into relationship with him. That many people, as they've heard these plans and as we've had these conversations, the question has come and it's stated a little bit like this. Would we ever move to a multi, back to a multi-site approach? Would we ever go about that again? Would we ever open North Glen building again? And my answer to that is this. If the needs presents itself, if it's strategic, if it helps us accomplish the mission, then absolutely. We won't be weird about it. We won't be shameful about it. We'll just do it. Listen, if I thought 
that choirs, robes, organs, bus ministries, old school revivals would bring people to Jesus in this society, we would do it. Methods change. Only the mission and the message are eternal. They remain the same, they're sacred. And so moving forward, this is officially where God has us. Prayerfully staying on the front lines of the mission of bringing people far from God into a relationship with him. Why? Because it's what Jesus asks us to do. It's the one thing that he's given to us that we can do only on this earth and not in eternity. One last thing before I close this up. I know there are a lot of questions, and so we've put together a frequently asked question sheet. And this afternoon, if you're on the keeping you in the loop, uh, you will get that FAQ sent out to you. It's also on the website, it'll be on the app, but it'll be sent to everybody on our email list, all right? If you happen to go looking for the app today, miraculously, it disappeared from the app store. It was there, now it's not, all right? So anyways, that's where the frequently asked question will be on the app if you have it, email, it's also on our website, all right? So let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll participate in communion together. Father, Lord, I thank you for the clarity that you give us when it comes to your mission. God, I thank you for your relentless pursuit of people who are far from you. God, every single person, myself included, was in that seat at one time in our lives. And Lord, you moved in such a way to bring us into relationship with you. And so God, I pray that you give us as a church the courage, the tenacity, the focus to be on mission. Lord, not to lose sight. Lord, not to get mixed up, but Lord, to stay focused. God, I realize that as we go through this and as we talk about that, that there's many things that we love, from styles of music to Bible studies to things that fill us up in our growth spiritually, and all of those are good things. But Lord, you also call us, Lord, to be about this mission. And none of those things are ever to override your calling on our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that we would embrace that. Lord, that we would sacrifice, Lord, at times the things that, that we want, that we desire, in order to see people come into your family, to see people enter into life eternal. And so, God, I pray that, that you would be with us in all of that. Lord, as we celebrate communion together, God, I pray that this would be a weekly reminder to us of the sacrifice that you made. Lord, that it would be a weekly reminder of you wrapping your arm around us saying, you, Matt, are of value and of worth. You're my friend, I care deeply about you. Lord, we thank you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Every week we go to the communion table to remind ourselves that we too were once sinners and tax collectors, people of ill repute with bad reputations. And it's only because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross where his body was broken and his blood was spilt that we have the forgiveness of sins. And so today as a church, we remember the freedom and the life that's given to us
that we were once lost and now we are found. And so we eat together. And we drink. Over the next 15, 20 minutes or so, if you need prayer, we have people available to pray for you online. Just click the button and there'll be someone to pray for you here in house at Thornton. You can make your way to the back left. We'll have an army of people back there. You can pick one and they would love to pray with you. All right, we're gonna stand and worship and sing to our good God. So why don't you go ahead and stand?